there's a line that is drawn by rejecting our Lord, where the call of His Spirit is lost. And you hurry along with the pleasure of my throne. Have you counted? Have you counted the cost? Have you counted the cost if your soul should be lost? Though you gain the world for your even now. Counted, have you counted the cost? You may batter your hope of eternity's mourn for the moment of joy at the most for the Counted, have you counted the cost? Have you counted the cost if your soul should be lost? Though you gain the world for your own, even now. Counted, have you counted the cost? While the door of his man sees open to you, at the death of his Lord, you exhaust. Won't you come and be? To whisper, I yield, I have counted, I have counted the cost. Have you counted the cost if your soul should be lost? Though you to thank everyone for joining us this evening we bless the lord for bringing you here and our prayer is that 
he will visit each and every one of us today as we come unto him in Jesus' name. Let us pray together. Our Father in heaven, we appreciate this great privilege that you have given unto us to come before you to examine your word. We pray that the entrance of your word will give and bring life into our hearts. And we ask that your Holy Spirit will illuminate our hearts and shine the light upon this word as we read in Jesus' name. We ask that you will give us the grace that this word would make an impartation upon our lives and make us who we ought to be and move us to becoming who you would have us to be in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We have prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we started this series on the last night of Sodom. And we trust that God opened our eyes to understand the time period in which we are in. Now, if you have not listened to that session, I will encourage you to, as I believe God helped us to see the perspective of the time before judgment, which the judgment of Sodom, Gomorrah, and the adjoining cities served as example. Now, this evening, I want to start by considering the people of the end time. While last week was about the time, this week we will be focusing on loss, the man who I believe represents a lot of believers living in this end time. And the topic we are going to be considering today is the end time loss, living on the edge of a precipice. Now, I will come to the matter of the edge of a precipice as we go on. But first, we want to start by looking at this man called Loth. And I'm going to be reading a few passages which I would encourage everyone to please follow along and read carefully. And I trust that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes to see some of the very instructive lessons as we go through these passages in Jesus' name. Now, I believe Loth is a prototype of many end-time believers. If we start by looking at the first appearance of this man in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 11, verse 27, Genesis eleven twenty seven. the Bible says, Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begat Loth. And Haran, that's Lot's father, died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in awe of the childish. If we fast forward to verse 31, the Bible says, And Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abraham's wife. And they went forth with them from all of the childish to go into the land of Canaan. Note they were going to Canaan. And they came to unto Aaron and dwelt there. So this was a man whose father died. And his grandfather brought him out of idol worship alongside Abraham and Sarai, his wife, out of the awe of the childish to go to Canaan. So while they intended to go to Canaan, they stopped at Aaron, where terror. His grandfather died. So if you follow me to chapter 12, where God called Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Verse 3, And I will bless them that bless thee, and cause him, that caused thee, and indeed shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. 
and Lot went with him. Now note that statement there. Lot went with him. Now Abraham was simply responding as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years when he departed out of Aaron. And Abraham took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Aaron. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. That was where the father wanted to go before he died. And into the land of Canaan they came. So they were in the land of Canaan for uh, a period before, before they had famine in the land and they went to Egypt. So here you see a man who was a mere follower of a man of promise. Loth was just a mere follower because of the circumstances that he found himself. You notice that throughout the journey, he was taken along. He was simply following. Now, if you turn with me to chapter 13, where we are going to be spending most of our time today. So fast forward, um, as we read in the Bible reading earlier, there was famine in the land, and they went to sojourn in Egypt. And there they gathered possessions, wealth, substance. Now, if you come to Genesis chapter 13, the Bible says, And Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. Can you see that again? And lot with him into the south. And Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and High, unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord, and Lord also, which went with him at flocks and herds and tents. Now here you will see again, Lord going with Abraham. While Abraham was headed on his way back to Bethel, to the place of the altar, after his sojourn in Egypt, to call upon the name of the Lord, what did Lot do? He simply what? Followed. So there are many people like Lot, whose religion is only because they were born into a Christian home. It's just as a result of circumstances. And so over the years, they have come to learn of the ways and the methods of religion which they were born into. But they never pursued God personally. Now you will realize that there was no place that we read that Lot called upon the name of the Lord for himself or built an altar. So these are people who do not possess a first-hand experience of God. They are only followers of men and not followers of God. Now we can simply say they have a second-hand faith, second-hand religion. They possess a circumstantial knowledge of holy things and they may be loyal to it until there is a test of where their real allegiance lies. And we come to that matter very, very shortly. So this man is a prototype of very many end-time Christians who may work with men of faith, but they themselves possess no real faith. So while the man of faith will walk by faith, they live and walk by sight. They may recognize flagrant sin and say, no, 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 we won't do that. But when you look closely, it is not because they love God. It is not because they have faith in God. It is just a function of the morality and the, the external righteousness, the length righteousness, the head righteousness that they have um, learned over the years and not the art righteousness. Now, I hope you do not think that every person that goes to church and lifts his hand in worship knows God. If you read the book of Acts chapter 17 verse 23, you will find some encounter that Paul the Apostle had with men in Athens who had the inscription to the unknown God. And when Apostle Paul was going to preach to them, he said, whom ye ignorantly worship. So you will see there that men can worship God that they don't know. I hope I'm not confusing you, please. May the Lord give us understanding in Jesus' name. So what matter is it that we are raising today? 
So it is possible that men could be followers of men of God out of circumstances that a man will know the methods of the men of God, but they will not know the halter of the men of God. It is possible that a man could learn good attitudes from the men of God, but has not known the God of the man. He does not have a personal relationship with the God of the man. Are you following now? So there are many people like that who have come to know God by association, associating with righteous people, a righteous congregation, attending a holiness-believing church, or being born in a godly home. I come to say this is not sufficient. You must know God personally, especially as we see the day approaching. Don't get me wrong. I do not think it is an absolutely wrong thing to follow men of God, to follow people of God. As a matter of fact, it is, it is an advantage to have the example of genuine men of God early in life. The problem which we are raising today is when you follow for such a long time and you never got a glimpse of their God. You never developed a personal relationship with God such that all you have is secondhand. One of the very big problems with this is that men with secondhand experience cannot give the original thing. Are you following me at all? Men who have not come to know the Lord personally cannot help others to know the Lord. So you can begin to see the position of this man, Lord, and understand why his children never had a spiritual backbone, as we will come to see later in the series. Why? Because there was nowhere to possess God after their father separated from Abraham. So do you know that in verse 5 of that Genesis chapter 13 we just read, I was thinking that when the Bible says, and Lot also, I thought that Lot also prayed to the Lord. But no, not at all. I realized that the Bible was only making mention of the fact that he had riches. Now, so if you come quickly to Genesis chapter 13 verse 7, the Bible says there, and there was a strife between the headsmen of Abraham's cattle and the headsmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzites dwelt then in the land. And Abraham said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my headsmen and thy headsmen. For we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou would take the left hand, then I will go the right hand. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I would go to the left. Now, that was a test of his allegiance. Though he has been following all along, that was a test of his love. You may not notice that the Bible stated that it was only a single strife that happened. The Bible said a strife. You know, I used to think that they kept on fighting, that it was too much, that they could not stay together anymore until I saw it was a strife. Not even between him and Abraham, at least not yet. And Abraham said, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my headsmen and thy headsmen, for we be brethren. Do you know, this surprised me so much. Is it that Lot could not speak to his headsmen and say, stop, you can't do this. This is the man I've been following all along. You can't do that. As a matter of fact, what is the, 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 the cattle? But no, he could not speak to his headsmen. That the only option was, was for them to separate. Now, it appears to me that this was a man who was already looking for more space, who was already feeling the need for some independence as a result of the substance he possessed. And just as he got the opportunity to, he seized it. He's not going to be the only person that was offered separation. We know of Ruth. 
And I respond. She said, your people shall be my people. And your God shall be my God. You see, when this man lost, was given an opportunity, the God of Abraham was not of interest to him. In the case of Ruth, like laws, she had an option. But listen to what she said in Ruth chapter 1 verse 16. Entreat me not to leave you, or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. Now, she continued, where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also. If anything, you see, anything for death parts you and me. So you see that the key to what we are talking about today is not following a man of God or following a person of God, but having the God of the person inside. She said, and your God shall be my God. How soon followers of men of God today are soon to separate themselves when they have the minutest opportunity to increase wealth, to get rich, to enlarge their coast like loss. How soon people who have been devoted to their church or religion before they had opportunity to make money, perhaps because they now live in, in an environment in which the limits to their possession of wealth is only determined by how much they are willing to pursue. How soon men forsake all their convictions based on what they see. Oh, oh, what a land of opportunity. I need to make my own. And that was exactly the case. If you look at Genesis chapter 13, verse 10 to 12, look at what he did. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. That it was well watered every year before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zohar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. So you see what guided his choice. You see that the desire for, for space and the quest for possession guided his choice. Remember how the possession of this man was described in verse 5. The Bible says he had flocks and herds and tents. It is the tents that he had, recall, that he pitched towards Sodom. The Bible says, and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Do you know and do you see how men who are not followers of God, who might be following men, but their destination in life and destiny and choices are determined by their possession and substance? When they look up, like Lot, what do they see? Opportunities. You know, when Lot was looking, you would have thought that he, he saw an opportunity to preach to the wicked people of Sodom. No, no, not at all. It was an opportunity to enlarge his coast. In verse 10, he says, he, he beheld the plain of Jordan. You see there, the lust of the eyes. He says, well watered everywhere. You see the lust of the flesh, what you are going to eat, what your cattle will feed on. The land, how you're going to grow stuffs. And then he said, it was like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. You see, the, the pride of life, beauty, abundance. But the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man, now, not any man, love the world, no matter who the person is, followers of righteousness or righteous people, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is not of the Father, 
but is of the world. So I tell you that it was not only that this man was a mere follower of men, there was no love of God in him, no love for God. Now you understand when Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 said to the Ephesian church, he said, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And verse 2 says, And walk in love, and walk in love. As Christ also hath loved us and had given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God, to God for a sweet smelling savor. Followers of God, give yourself to God. That's what Paul encouraged the Ephesians. Men in the last days, men like Lot, will walk to please themselves, not to please God. They will walk to satisfy themselves and not to satisfy God. They will not give themselves unto God because they do not love God. They will give themselves to the possession of opportunities for the things of this world. They may claim to be religious and they may attend church on Sunday. They may check the boxes, but they don't give themselves really unto God. Their heart is far away. And so when you realize that Jesus Christ was saying, when the Son of Man shall come, shall he find faith on earth, there will not be truth, there will not be love for God. Jesus Christ did not say, shall he find churchgoers? He's saying, shall he find faith? So man's life will be driven by the pursuit of things. Brethren, my question for you is what do you see when you lift up your eyes? Do you know you see what you are looking for? If you are looking for God, you see God. There are some people who would say that Lord chose covetously or that he did not ask God in a bid to justify asking God. And I don't oppose that at all. However, this man had a foundational problem, which many of us do not take note of. He was a mere follower of those who follow God. He himself is not led by the Spirit of God, never had a direct relationship with God. Though he possessed money, though he possessed substance, he never possessed God. He has not known to ask. While he might have learned some external things, behaviors from Abraham's life, the inner life, his absence. He had possessions of the world, but he never possessed God. He was rich in the sense, as the Bible told us in verse 5, but he was not rich towards God. That's exactly what the Bible was saying when Jesus Christ was talking about that man. When he said in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he said, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And then he said, the parable about that rich man whose ground brought plentifully and he thought within himself saying what shall i do because i have no room to bestow my fruits while for loss they are not told what he thought in his heart before he saw but we know what he said now if you come to verse 10 bible says and loss lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the lord destroyed sodom and gomorrah even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zohar. Now, did you notice something? The way Lord described the land that he saw. He said, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. Now, there are two things here I want to call our attention to. Lord said the plains of Jordan looked like the garden of the Lord. Do you know it does not matter how well or godly someone quotes an heart of covetousness? Oh, is the blessing of the Lord, is the blessing of the Lord. There are many end-time lords 
who have found a godly way to describe their self or substance-driven choices to make it sound righteous. But what was in their mind is the real beauty of Egypt. So when you heard Lot say, like Egypt, you come to see what exactly he had in his mind. They had just returned from Egypt not so long, where they amassed the wealth that they possessed, and where their wealth was cultivated. So that sojourn in Egypt was part of his undoing. He had seen a land that had kindled his greed, the possibility of its riches growing. And so now that they came back to Canaan, Canaan was just too poor, not so spacious again, that Sodom was now very attractive, like the land of Egypt, well watered everywhere. Wow. You know, there are men, that the way they see the world that we are in, or maybe where they now live as a result of providence, they see opportunities everywhere, even exaggerated. So he was looking for a place where he could expand and acquire and, and grow his wealth. So you see, that was his road to the precipice. Now, this man, Loth, moved from substance, possession, to strife. Strife, strife for significance, strife for more substance, strife for space. And that led to separation. And separation led him to pitching his tent towards Sodom, not knowing that Sodom was the very edge of the precipice. So what do we mean when we say living on the edge of a precipice? It means to live very close to a dangerous, a very bad situation. And that was exactly what Lot did, unknowingly, unknowingly. And I want to emphasize unknowingly because that is important. There are many, many followers of men, religious people today, who are making their choices unknowingly. They are pitching their tents towards Sodom. The Bible made us to know that he chose the land of Sodom before the Lord destroyed it. Now you see in verse 13 when the Bible says, For the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Did they know that before choosing? Many so-called Christians are doing exactly the same thing. Heaping riches and substance onto the day of destruction. The Lord was going to separate and escape from Sodom. How many of the tents did he carry? He needed to escape into a cave at first. How many of the cattle did he carry along? That he was looking for water for, brethren. The well-watered garden of today may be the Dead Sea of tomorrow. The call that is coming upon our lives today, especially for those of us that have exposure and the privilege to be born in a Christian home, to attend godly, holiness-preaching churches, to humble ourselves and follow God hardly with our strength and to prioritize God in the choice of our lives. Ask him, what will he have us to do? Where will he have us to go? When will he have us to look? What direction should we look? And what is the time horizon of our accomplishments? Now, you will see that Abraham did exactly just that. And it was very, very instructive that we have the example of what Abraham did in that same passage. So if you go to verse 14, quickly before we wrap up, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Abraham, notice that, And the Lord said unto Abraham. Now, 
after the Lord separated from me. Now, pay attention. The Bible says, lift up now thine eyes. If you compare this to Lot, he was the one lifting up his eyes himself. And the Lord said unto Hebron, Look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. So you see here that Abraham also lifted up his eyes. So the problem is not lifting eyes. <laughs> Abraham moved at the impulse of God and not at the impulse of his substance. The Lord said, lift up now, now. I see it now there, not before, not later, not, but now, now. There is a timing for your looking. Not only that, I see a place, a vantage point of looking. God's vantage point. The Bible says, the Lord said, from the place where thou hast. I was wondering, where did, where did Lord look from? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I also see the direction of gaze, the direction of looking. The Lord told him, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. That's his scope. And lastly, when you come to verse 15, the Bible says, For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it unto thy seed forever. I see the need for men to look from the lens of God. When you look from the lens of God, you cannot be short-sighted. Because you are looking from the lens of the one who sees yesterday, today, and forever all at once. You see, when Lot was chosen, he did not know the future of Sodom. I want to say emphatically that those who know, follow, and love God may have substance. I don't think that we are preaching against the need for, to have substance. But people who follow the Lord are not moved at the impulse of substance or the need for it. They do not move to fulfill the needs of their substance. But they move at the impulse of God. So now, if you come to verse 14, when God called on Abraham, after Lord was separated from him. You see, God told him, lift up now thy eyes. So the problem at all is not that you open your eyes and see. But who is asking you to open your eyes? Is it yet time for you to open your eyes? And the Bible says, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise. When Lord chose, and he separated and he went. That was at his own prerogative. But here you're seeing God calling on Abraham, Arise, walk through the land, in the length of it, in the breadth of it, but I will give it unto you. He had a sure covenant from God. And that's the case for people who are followers of God. The Bible says then, Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of memory, which is Eber, and built there and brought out to the Lord. See, men of God, followers of God, irrespective of their substance, will maintain an order unto the Lord. I want to repeat that. The men, irrespective of the abundance of their substance, will maintain an altar unto the Lord. And so, the God, Abraham, God, and everlasting covenant. Now, brethren, while we have spoken about loss today, do you know that it is not so much about Lot again? Lot is gone. We are here for this time. And it is very possible that it is unto us the end of the world will come. Do you want to assess yourself? Ask the question. Who are you? Are you a follower of God? Are you a follower of men of God? Or people of God? Have you come to know God personally? Maybe you want to reflect at this time. 
what has been the driver of your life thus far? Has it been because of circumstances of your birth? I was born in a Christian home and that's all I knew. I was born in a holiness preaching church and that's all I knew. Or do you have a relationship with the God that is called upon? Do you know where you're going? Do you know that there is an eternal covenant to inherit? Just like Abraham said, I will give. There is an eternal covenant. There is an everlasting covenant. There is a blessed hope that is given unto those that follow God. Brethren, it is time for us to reflect and ask ourselves, do we lay the quest of possession or abundance determine the direction and the destiny of our lives? Is it possible that we have not really known God and all the knowledge we have is just a knowledge by proxy, like loss? Can you see of the truth that you have a personal working relationship with God? Do you love God or you love sins? Maybe God has blessed you with riches, with substance. Are you rich towards God? And that's not talking about you spending your money. For the things of God, that's not it. That's not it. We're talking about art riches, rich in faith. That is not a function of the amount of money you have in your pocket. Brethren, if you cannot see of a truth that you are following God, that God is your possession, that all that you possess in these last days in which men are turning away from God, you may be on the precipice, you may be at the very edge of it with your next decision. You might already be treading a dangerous situation that could spell doom for your eternal destiny. Like Lot, you might already be laying down a faithless foundation and a godless foundation for your children and your generations to come just by following the direction of substance. You might be setting the stage for your progeny to be an enemy of God. And we're going to talk about that when we get to the family session. Ultimately, you might be setting up your home and all that you have for judgment. Brethren, on the final day, men will see a lot of things. They call wonderful things that they've done in the name of God. But you know that that will not matter. But what will matter is if you know him and he's known of you. Jesus Christ said, when those men, when those people said, but well, we did this in your name, we did that in your name. And Jesus said, I never knew you. What matters is that God Known of you, and you know God. The Bible says, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, verse 13. It has to be with the whole of your heart. And God is calling us, God is calling you, God is calling me, God is calling everyone of us that we cannot serve God half heartedly anymore. We have to pursue after God, we have to follow after God. And the good news is that today is not a day of judgment. That you're still hearing this means that you have the opportunity for repentance. You might be on the edge of a precipice, but you can cry unto God. And you can begin to walk with God. Today is the day in which you say to God, God, years I've spent in vanity and pride is gone. Today on, I want to begin a walking relationship with you. I will seek you in prayer, in the world. I will build an altar of worship and sacrifice. I will re 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 rebuild the broken altar. Oh, maybe you never had an altar. You're just following. No prayer life. No Bible reading life. 
not seeking God's face concerning the matters of your life. You want to say, today, I'm making a change. If you have left off the altar at the time for any reason, like Abraham went to Egypt, and then when he was coming back, maybe you have, been, you have gone to Egypt. When he was coming back, Bible revealed unto us that he went back to Bethel. You can return to the Lord. You can make a commitment to follow the Lord. You can make a commitment to wait for him on every matter of your life. As a wrap up, and I hope you are praying unto the Lord. I want to encourage us. The world around us may act differently. Even many Christians, so-called, around us may act differently. It is the signs of the end time. Men will not have faith. Men will not have love. Men will be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. Men will want to double, 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 double edge. They want to edge their bets. One leg with God and one leg in the world. But it's your choice to choose God and to cleave to God, no matter the cost. Whether substance or no substance. Whether space or no space. Follow hard after God. Remember? No strife. No strife for position. No strife for substance. No strife for space. Channel your strength towards following hard after God. In a world that men are failing to pursue self and substance-driven ambition. Channel your strength towards knowing God more and lay the foundation of eternal life, of eternal blessedness. With God, walk in the Spirit and don't walk by sight. Wait for God in all things. Can you just pray to the Lord that God give me the grace that I'll be able to wait for you. I'll be ahead of everlasting covenant. When the Lord was going to talk about Abraham in the New Testament, they talk about Lazarus going to Abraham's bosom, not because of his money, because of his faith. We're going to talk about Lot. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Talking about destruction. Hmm? What do you want to be the story of your life in years to come? If the Lord has, can you plead with God today? Can you ask God that we have mercy? Pray unto God. Pour out your heart unto God. And He will answer your prayers in Jesus' name. God bless you.